This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. everything to us and our hearts adore you this morning we thank you Lord as we were singing just then we just want to thank you Lord thank you for your love thank you for your goodness thank you for your faithfulness thank you for the cross thank you for the blessings that you pour out on our life Lord we thank you we come with thanksgiving Lord we thank you that this is the time of thanksgiving this is a harvest time where we can be thankful for all that you have done and all that you are and all that you give and all that you're going to do God we thank you for the offerings that we can bring to you we thank you for blessing us financially so that we might be able to give back we thank you for that Lord we thank you for the work of Lord's Lord I thank you that we are able to get out into the community to reach out to make a difference in people's lives, to show your love, to spread your beauty. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the doors of opportunity that are open to us. Lord, we thank you. You're a wonderful, amazing God that we worship. Amen. Amen. Thank you, folks. Okay, I'm just going to kick start um, as the children are heading off to their exciting ministry with a little advert that you might be familiar with, okay, just to take you back to the 1980s. I realise that some of you probably weren't born then, but 1980s, here we go. Thanks, Tim. Just purposely put it with no sound, so you just got to guess, you see. Oh, there you go. Brilliant. Well done. Great. We can stop it there. Okay, so how did the, what did the song lyrics go like exactly? Yay! <laughs> Thank you very much for mending my tyre, I think it was, or something. Thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. Yes, absolutely. That was it. That, that's, the, that's the lyrics. Um, and so this morning, as you came in, you will have got, hopefully, you will have got a chocolate. Yes? Did you get a chocolate roses? And if you didn't, then I think Simon's been snaffling them because, <laughs> well, hmm. yeah, so thank you very much. A 1980s advert and say it with roses. That was the chocolate of the 80s, wasn't it? If you want to say thank you, buy a box of roses. I still have that wired into me if I want to say thank you, buy a box of roses. I don't know if any of you listen to Radio 4. I think you know by now I'm a bit of a Radio 4 fan. And I like listening to Saturday Live in the mornings. And they do a special phone-in on Radio 4, Saturday Live, where if you didn't get the opportunity to thank somebody, because they were a complete stranger and you didn't know them, you can phone into the radio show and thank them publicly on air. 
So you get all sorts of people ringing in saying, like, 30 years ago, somebody stopped on the roadside and helped me change a tyre, or whatever it might be. Um, different people are phoning in for all sorts. It can be right from things like... Um, you know, thanking for somebody who donated an organ that they've got no idea who it was to something like find, helping find a lost teddy. I don't know. Anyone, anyone heard that? No, yeah, okay. So that's what they do on Radio 4, because it's good to say thank you, isn't it? It's good to say thank you. Now, I'm not sure when Cadbury sat down and did their Roses campaign or Radio 4 sat down and decided to, you know, think what would be a good radio item, um, whether they actually had first and foremost in their minds the biblical principle of thanking, you know, thankfulness. I'm sure probably, I don't know, they might have done, the bosses of Cadbury's or Radio 4 might have thought, actually, it's a biblical principle to say thank you. We'll incorporate that into our organisation. They probably didn't, but it is a biblical principle. And if you look in 1 Thessalonians 5:18, you will see that it does say to give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, to give thanks in all circumstances. Now, October is a a kind of special month because many people do celebrate harvest uh, in October. Many churches are going to be celebrating the Harvest Festival and it is a time when we can just say thanks. Say thank you to God for all the provision. And obviously it started out as a a thanking for the the crops and the food of the land. But we can say thank you for everything that we have in this time. And so I wanted to take this opportunity in the month of October to look at living a life of thankfulness. Living a life of gratefulness. And out of that gratefulness, out of that thankfulness comes, I think, a sense of giving. And so we've got harvest next week. We're going to be celebrating and then the following week we'll carry on a little bit. But in different cultures around the world, there are many different ways to say thank you, aren't there? Okay, there's lots of different And you've got to be careful when you go to a different culture in case, so you don't upset anybody by doing the wrong thing. Apparently, I don't know how, how reliable these sources are, but go with me. Apparently in Russia, you can give flowers to somebody to say thank you. But if you're going to give flowers, they're not allowed to be yellow for some reason. You can't give yellow. And um, you've got to give an odd number of stems. So you can't give an even number. I'm not sure about that, but apparently, so just be careful if you go to Russia. Um, In Germany, you can say thanks with a bouquet of flowers if you want to as well. Um, But so that the gesture is sincere, you're not supposed to wrap them. You're supposed to give them unwrapped. Now, I quite like a wrapped flower. I often do give mine wrapped, but apparently in Germany you don't. Students in Germany, apparently, if they want to thank their lecturer for a great class, they shouldn't clap. They should bang on the desks. Okay. Now, in my classroom when I was a teacher, I never had anybody clapping me, for sure. Um, And the only banging on the desk that ever happened was probably nothing to do with thanks. But anyway, so if you go to Germany, and a tribe in Africa, this is unusual, what they will do is they will bow on the ground, they'll put their forehead on the ground, and um, they will say, my head is in the dirt. And that's a way of saying thank you. It's a particular tribe, I don't know, but that's what they do. And another particular tribe um, will sit in front of a hut and they will basically literally sit in front of the person, whoever, you know, they're thanking. They'll sit in front of the hut and say, I sit on the ground before you. A kind of expression, I suppose, because when you bow down, it's a sign of respect, isn't it? It's a sign of honour. So if you really want to thank someone in African style, you could go and sit outside their house on the ground and just literally say, I sit on the ground before you and see what they say. I don't know bit strange, but it's just because it's different. 
So different cultures are different ways, haven't they, of saying thank you, and we've got our different ways of saying thank you as well. And straight away, I'm sure I can hear silently, if that's even correct, a little sigh perhaps within some of us that kind of goes, ah, oh, I'm not sure I want to hear more about being grateful. I'm not sure I want to hear more about being thankful. Because I think if I was sat where you were, a little sigh might have fallen out of my head in the sort of sense of sometimes it can be a little bit irritating or annoying when people say to you, well, just be thankful. Just be thankful for this. Or just be a bit more grateful. And you kind of go, oh, yeah, I know I need to be, but oh, do you have to keep reminding me? Do you have to keep telling me? I recall countless times when I was young of pushing random vegetables around my plate. Any of you do this? <laughs> and I didn't want the vegetables. I didn't want to eat them. I didn't like them. And, uh, you know, I wasn't having any of it. And um, I would push it around my plate. And I, my mother used to say, um, you know, you should be grateful, Nicole, for the food on your plate. Because there's people in the world that are starving. You should eat that. Did you have any, anyone else do that? Yeah. We're all nodding. We know it. We know it well, okay? And, of course, I kind of knew that as a child. I did. But, you know, that moment when you're faced with a mountain of Brussels sprouts, um, you know, no amount of famine in the world is going to, you know, help me with that dilemma right there and then. I know that's probably not the right thing to say, but it's true when you're a kid, isn't it? And you're looking at those Brussels sprouts and you're thinking, oh, really? Really? I don't want to eat them. But you know what? Maybe that's not what living a life of thankfulness is about. Maybe... Maybe, just maybe, it's not about being thankful for everything. I couldn't be thankful for Brussels sprouts. I just will never be thankful for a Brussels sprout. (laughs) I'm sorry. People are looking at me going, what? I love Brussels sprouts. I can't be thankful for Brussels sprouts. But you know what? On a more serious note, I can't be thankful for, for violence in the world. I can't be thankful for evil and suffering in the world. I can't be thankful for things that come in my life that cause heartache and distress and for loss and for suffering. I can't bring myself to be thankful for those things. Those things that were never God's intention for our life. I'd struggle to be thankful for those. But perhaps cultivating a life of gratitude is being grateful in every moment of our lives, not actually necessarily being grateful for a particular thing or a particular circumstance, but within that, being thankful for the opportunities that can arise, being thankful for every moment and recognising that within a moment or within a thing or within a circumstance, there is an opportunity for us to be thankful, to be grateful. And I can't be thankful for Brussels sprouts, but there was that opportunity in that moment for me to be thankful for my food, to be thankful that I had something to eat, to be thankful for the privileged position that I was in. And I think if my mother was here today, that's what she would be trying to tell me and teach me that principle. I couldn't be thankful for the thing I didn't like, but I had an opportunity in that moment to be grateful that I had food. And I don't think we have to be grateful for everything that comes our way because some stuff isn't from God, is it? But it's finding that opportunity within that moment to live a grateful life. And I want to look at two characters today in the Bible that might help us a little bit with trying to cultivate this life 
of gratitude, to be grateful in all things. So let's look at a particular passage in Luke chapter 17, verse 11 to 19. And this is the account of Jesus cleansing the ten lepers. Luke 17. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, Jesus. And as he entered the village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where were the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. Jesus is met by these ten lepers and they stood at a distance because they knew their place. According to society, they knew their place and they were outcasts. So they had to be removed. They had to stand at a distance because of their illness, because of their disease. And of course, back then, there was the thinking that if somebody had a disease or an illness, it was because they displeased God. It was like a punishment on their life. So if you had a sickness or an illness, you were seen as somebody who had displeased God. So you were kept at a distance and you were removed. And so these ten lepers find themselves at a distance from Jesus, but crying out um, for mercy. And so Jesus says to them, go and present yourself to the priest, to go and be inspected by the priest. Why did he do that? Well, that, at the time, it was, it was just following the protocol of ceremonial law. Okay? And so I, I think Jesus probably wanted to keep in line with this and, and honour that and honour the priest and honour the priest's function at that time. But maybe probably as well, Jesus wanted to perhaps give an opportunity for the priest and the other people around the priest to say, you know, wow, what's happened to you? You know, by what power have you been healed? It was an opportunity to see Jesus at work. And so this is what was happening here. Jesus says, go and present yourselves. It was a trial of their obedience, really, wasn't it? Because he doesn't heal them and then say, go and present yourselves. He just says, go and present yourselves. And it was in the going, as they obeyed, it was in the going and they had faith that they were cleansed. There's a whole other sermon there. And so they would look, be looked on at the priest and the priest would be able to say, yes, you're clean and you know, be able to give the certificate of, of cleanliness, as it were. And then what happens is that only one of the ten comes back. Only one of them. And the one comes back and thanks Jesus for what he'd done and praises God and glorifies God because of the healing. And I think it's interesting that it's mentioned that the man that went back, the leper that went back, was a Samaritan. Okay, and the Samaritan Jews didn't get on, they were enemies. So it's thought that the other nine were Jews to point out that this one was the Samaritan that came back. And then Jesus goes on further and says, Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? So it highlights the fact that probably the others were Jews, but it was the Samaritan guy that came back to praise and to thank. That would have been hard probably for the Jews to listen to such an account that it was just a Samaritan. And I want to leave that there for a moment. We're going to come back to it. I want us to look at another character, which is also in Luke's Gospel, and it's in chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. I tried to squeeze it all on one screen. It might be a bit small, I'm afraid. But let's have a little look at this, and I'll read it to you. 
a sinful woman forgiven. One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at, at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, bought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 derony and the other 50. When they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he cancelled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered the house, you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with the ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I think that's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Of a woman who comes in and as an act of worship and thanksgiving, pours this ointment, pours this perfume over Jesus' feet and head. And Jesus is at the house of the Pharisee and she just kind of boldly goes in and approaches and interrupts what's going on. And she's so in love with Jesus, she doesn't really care. She's so full of Jesus. She's so grateful for who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and the acceptance that she's got from Jesus that she just goes in and anoints him in this way. Now there is a debate whether this passage is the same one that you find in Matthew and Mark and John. They have a similar story, don't they? And that the woman's mentioned and her name's Mary. But I don't want us to get bogged down with that this morning, but I just want us to see this account and see that here is a woman who comes before Jesus and gives of this expensive perfume as a real act of love, as a real act of respect and honour and gratefulness. The Samaritan leper and the sinful woman, I think they've got something in common. They've got something that they can teach us about being thankful. So let's have a little look. What does an attitude of gratitude really look like? Well, firstly, I think it's a recognition of who we are and where we're at. Okay? I think... This works on lots of levels, definitely on a spiritual level, of regarding the idea of knowing who we are in Christ and knowing what Christ has done for us. But it works on another level. It works on just looking at my life and thinking, actually, yeah, my life is probably a lot better than I deserve anyway, whatever. But the law obliged these lepers to stand at a distance. But the leper comes back to Jesus. That one Samaritan comes back and thanks Jesus because he's got so much to be grateful for. He knows, he knows the, the mass, what, what's just happened, what's taken place. He's completely healed. That's, not just, that's amazing, not just that he's healed within himself, but what that means to him in society, that he can live now normally in, in society and that, and that he's forgiven because that's what it meant back then as well. 
So he's forgiven and he's healed. And Jesus has mercy on him. He's so thankful. Someone unclean. Someone in the eyes of society that deserves punishment. And I think we can put ourselves in this place of the leper in a sense of a spiritual leprosy. Because we can ask ourselves, who are we? Who are we, um, you know, that we should draw near to Jesus? Jesus, who is so pure and so holy and so perfect and so righteous, who are we with all our failings and all our messes and all our sin and, and our impurity? Who are we to draw near to Jesus? There's nothing in ourselves that make us worthy, but it's all because of what Jesus has done. It's all because of the sacrifice. And I think we need to have a recognition of that for true gratefulness to flow out of our lives, to truly cultivate a life of thanksgiving. We really need to know what we've got to be thankful for, to really understand the truth of the cross and that we're drawn to Jesus' presence because of what he's done for us. It's the same as a sinful woman. She recognised her faults. She recognised her failings. She knew who she was. And she was, but she knew she was accepted by Jesus and that birthed that gratefulness within her life. A depth of gratitude, so much so that she used that whole jar of expensive perfume to break before Jesus to anoint him. I think a life of gratefulness looks like someone who knows that actually they don't deserve it, but it's been freely given. We don't deserve anything from God. It's not our own worth or our own merits or the things that we do that we're, you know, stacking up or whatever. It's not that. But we're blessed because of Jesus for what he did. You know, I was talking a few weeks ago about the right to be called a child of God. And God has given us that right to be his children. And when we truly grasp that, when we really have a real sense of what Christ has done for us, I don't think we can help but live a way of gratefulness in our life, of thanksgiving, and cultivating that within us. True gratefulness recognises how much we've been forgiven from. And sometimes I have to keep reminding myself of that. Because I stay in ch- I stay? I've been in church for so long, in church life, you know, that it's just become normal to me. Communion becomes normal to me. Singing becomes normal. The Bible. And it, you know, Paul Hudson was talking about this the other week, wasn't he? About being too familiar. And things can become too familiar sometimes. And I have to stop and remind myself of what Jesus has done for me, that I'm called his child. And when we grab a hold of that, then I think it builds that foundation of gratefulness that will come out of our lives. We, as Christians, should have a life that's so much more grateful and so much more thankful than anybody else because we've recognised and understood that truth, that amazing truth of Jesus. So it's knowing who we are. It's recognising that. Secondly, it's a recognition that at its core, gratefulness is an act of humility. Gratefulness and humility, they go together. So that's why when you find somebody or you come across somebody who's sometimes a little bit arrogant, okay, um, that they can be sometimes 
ungrateful. That sort of arrogance and ingratitude can come together. And actually, gratefulness and humility, they go together. Because what gratefulness does is it acknowledges in us our debt to someone else. And arrogance can't deal with that. Arrogance can't deal with the idea of being indebted to somebody else. But a grateful heart, a grateful spirit recognises that, yeah, we're in debt to that person or whatever it is. Gratefulness pushes us away from ourselves. Gratefulness is not about me. It's not about my situation in my life. It pushes my, my view, my vision out of myself to others, to the things around me. And you look at the, both the main characters, the Samaritan leper and the sinful woman. Where do they end up? I think this is a beautiful picture. Where do they end up? They end up at the feet of Jesus. That's where they're at. They're at Jesus' feet. They completely humble themselves before him. They put themselves in that position of humility, a reverent position of being at the feet of Jesus. And that's a sign of respect. It's a sign of showing humility. These pictures caused a bit of a stir in 2016. I don't know if you remember them. When Pope Francis... um, went and he blessed and he cleansed the souls of of many, many people. I mean souls as in the sole of your feet. (laughs) Okay, he cleansed and and blessed the souls of people. It was outside, it was at the refugee centre. And people from all different backgrounds, walks of life, it was in Rome, all different cultures. And he, he blessed them and he kissed them. And it was a real act of kind of respect for these people, of humility, that the Pope would do that. It's like I was saying before in the African cultures of of bowing down or putting your head on the ground or sitting down. It's that putting yourself in that position of humility. And both the characters in these stories do that in front of Jesus. Because they understand, you know, what thanksgiving is. And that's why sometimes for us, thanksgiving can be difficult. Being grateful, because at the core, it's about being humble. It's about humility. It's about acknowledging our debt to somebody else. And sometimes that can be tricky. How humble are we? Are we expressing humility in our lives? Are we able to do that? Are we able to humble ourselves to one another? And it's not just a life of gratitude in our humility towards one another, but I think that picture of being at Jesus' feet is a great great example of what our life should be like with Christ what our life should be like with God. Actually, are we in that position at Jesus' feet, humbling ourselves, giving of our lives, surrendering, being thankful, respecting? Where are we living? Are we living at the feet of Jesus? Are we humbling ourselves in that way? Are we thankful? Are we living a life of gratefulness? Thirdly, I think it's a recognition that gratitude is a sign of a heart attuned to God. You see, we mustn't be fooled in thinking that people's high morals or people's pious behaviour or good works or the things that people do mean that their heart is attuned to God. You know, rule-keeping and box-sticking and church-attending Christians doesn't mean that their heart is attuned to God if that's all that's there. What we see beautifully portrayed in these two stories is two people who are outcasts of society. The leper is an outcast and the sinful woman is an outcast. I always feel a bit sorry for the sinful woman being labelled that in the Bible, don't you? If 
that would be me, sinful woman, you know, just like these things in the Bible. You just think, oh, that's what she's labelled as. But anyway, we all are, aren't we? And you've got this story here of the leper and the sinful woman. Outcasts, the enemy, the sinner. But they're the ones that Jesus praises. They're the ones that Jesus esteems. They're the ones that are the main characters of the story. Because you've got ten lepers, nine of them Jews, all of them praying to Jesus for mercy. Okay, so they're all like looking to Jesus, they're all praying, but only one comes back. And who is the one that's highlighted? That one, the one that praises and thanks Jesus, even though they they all prayed. The Pharisees, religious Pharisees, doing all that they should be doing, keeping all the rituals, keeping all the regulations, doing everything that they should do and be in the synagogue, all around the table with Jesus. But who's the one person that Jesus highlights? It's a sinful woman. Because she's the one that anoints Jesus. She's the one that washes his feet with her tears and kisses his feet and anoints his head. So she's the one that Jesus praises. Not the others not the Pharisees, not the other Jews, the other lepers that, that prayed. No, it's, it's the two in the story that thanked, that lived a life of thankfulness, of gratefulness, of honour, of respect. And when we live a life of gratefulness, when our attitude is one of thanksgiving, I think we truly tap into the heartbeat of God. Don't be fooled to think that all these other things, oh, they must be like, you know, mega amazing, in tune with God. They might be, but we have to have something in place to know God's heartbeat. And it's about living a life of humility, of gratefulness, of thankfulness. What's our life look like today? Does it look like one that's attuned to God? Does it look like one of gratefulness? And fourthly, It's a recognition that gratitude produces happiness. Happiness does not produce gratitude. Sometimes we can get this on the wrong way. There's there's a lot of things we have in common with humanity, isn't there? All of us in the room have lots of things in common. But one of the things that we have in common, I think, is this. That we all really, deep down, want to be happy. You want to be happy? I want to be happy. (laughs) We want to be happy, don't we, yeah? Um, It's a universal desire. Aristotle, a famous philosopher way, way back in 384 BC, he had this idea that people wanted to be happy. He called it eudaimonia. It's this idea of human flourishing, that we want happiness, that that's what we're all aiming for. I don't think he had it wrong in one sense. Obviously, I don't think it's our main purpose in life. But I do think that we are driven by what makes us happy. I think our life choices, our life decisions, a lot of the things we do is because we want to be happy. I know that I'm led to the cheesecake aisle in Waitrose because I know it's going to make me happy. But we do, don't we? And so often I think we can be lulled into a false thought that when we're happy, then we'll be thankful. When we've got the things that we want and the things we desire or, you know, things are going our way and our circumstances are good and we're happy, then we'll be very thankful. But I don't think that's always the case. Because we only have to look around at different people in different situations and we can see that's not the case. We can look at people's lives and think, wow, they're really happy people. They've got a lot of stuff, like a lot of material stuff. They're going well, life's great. But they're not a very grateful person. We might know some of those people, eh? Hey? <laughs> you can tell I'm Guernsey. 
But it's true, you know. People have lots of things, but actually their attitude isn't one of gratefulness at all. Or yet they're very happy people. See, happiness doesn't always produce gratefulness and thankfulness, although we think it should. It should, but it doesn't always. You'd think they'd be more grateful. And yet you have other people in desperate situations, situations that you'd look at and you go, oh, my, my life, you know, like, how could you ever be happy in that situation? Things happening in their lives, things going on, they don't have what they should have, or all sorts of different situations that people are in, desperate situations. And yet they seem really happy. Why is that? I think it's this, because when you find someone who's happy in that situation, it's because they've cultivated a life of thankfulness. And out of their thankfulness and their grateful spirit comes a sense of happiness. The leper and the woman, silver woman, through their thankful hearts, through their gratefulness, become joyful. They're released into praise. Oswald Chambers said this, The great difficulty spiritually is to concentrate on God. And it's his blessings that make it difficult. Troubles nearly always make us look to God, but his blessings are apt to make us look elsewhere. I thought that was interesting. It's not always the blessings and the things that make us happy that actually cause us to look to God and be thankful. It's not always the things that make us most grateful. But I think if we cultivate gratefulness, then we can become happier. Loads of research has been done outside of church, outside of spirituality, to show that when you cultivate gratefulness in your life, when you become thankful, when you find that attitude to do that, you will become a happier person. Yeah? So it's not just me (laughs) saying that. But I think it's true. I think they've got something in that. We don't have to wait to be happy and then go, then I'll be thankful. When I've got this, this and this in place, and when that, that, that has happened... Then I'll thank God. No. It's not like that. Actually, it's to be thankful and we'll be happy from that. There's a great guy, a monk. He's called David Steindl Rath. I think that's how you say it. Okay? But he talks a lot about gratefulness. Okay? And I like listening to him. And he says this gratefulness, what we mean by it is when we experience something of value, okay, which is a gift, it's freely given, it's not brought. But it's something that's freely given. And gratefulness spontaneously arises from this. And we can experience this in grateful living. It's not just something that we can experience just now and again in a one-off thing. But grateful living is becoming aware that every moment we have is a gift. So the moment we're in right now is a gift. Because we don't know when the next moment, whether we'll have the next moment. But right now, this moment is a gift. And we can be grateful for this moment. And that's all we have, the present moment. And within the present moment, there is a gift in this present moment. And it's the gift of opportunity. And sometimes we miss it, but that's all right. Because in the next moment, there'll be another gift of opportunity for us. Let's go back to my bottle sprouts. There was an opportunity for me to be grateful in that moment. In that present moment, there was a gift of opportunity for me to be thankful, for me to be grateful, even though what was on my plate I wasn't thankful for. Moment by moment. And this monk encourages us, moment by moment, to stop and to look. To stop, 
to take stock of where we are. Life's so busy, life's so rushed. Think of the moment and be thankful in that moment. That moment is a gift and in that moment there is an opportunity. So we might be going through something really painful and really difficult and really hard and something that we're not thankful for in itself, but there's an opportunity in that moment for gratefulness, to be thankful for something. I was chatting to somebody this week. They know who they are. And they were talking about, you know, living with something that not grateful for, but within that opportunity, they're grateful. It was a real testimony to me to see that person share and say, but I can be positive, I can be thankful in this moment. Even though I don't want this particular thing, I can be thankful because there's an opportunity for me. It's not always being grateful for the circumstance or the thing, but it's seeing that every moment is a gift. I want to play a little clip to you. I hope, is the sound working? I hope it's working. And um, it's only five minutes long, and it's actually read by this monk. So you get why I like him so much. And it's about this idea of being grateful in every given moment. Thanks, thanks. No sound? No? Okay. No, you're all right. That's okay. That's why you never rely on technology. Well, it's a nice little sound, a nice little clip. And I would just show it to you without the sound, but I really don't think it's as great. So, if you get the opportunity when you get home and you're on, online and you can tap into YouTube, Nature, Beauty, Gratitude, that's what it's called. Okay, Nature, Beauty, Gratitude. And it's just a five little kind of clip that you can watch and it's just saying this it's just slow down look at the moment and in this moment be grateful we don't know if the next moment's coming but we've got this moment right now and within that moment there's always an opportunity for us the bible is clear it says in 1 Thessalonians my on still in 1 Thessalonians 5:18 give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of god in christ jesus for you Our lives are to be marked out as Christians for being grateful and for being thankful and for being positive. And what does that really look like? Well, I think we've got a few helps along the way. It's a recognition of who we are and where we're at, to remind ourselves constantly of what Jesus has done for the sacrifice given to us so that we have the right to be called his children, that we can enter into his presence, that we are truly forgiven and that we have God's grace and we have God's mercy in our lives. And when we remind ourselves of that amazing truth, then what can we do but thank God? What can we do but be grateful? Secondly, it's a recognition that at its core, gratefulness is an act of humility and living that life of humility and humbling ourselves before others and recognising the debt that perhaps we should owe other people. It's a recognition that gratitude is a sign, a heart, a sign of a heart attuned to God. Actually, if we really want to know what, what pleases God, you know, I was saying this the other week about you know, God's heartbeat being for other people. God's heartbeat is one as well of you know, living a life of gratitude. And fourth, it's a recognition that actually gratitude does produce happiness. It's not happiness. We don't have to wait 
to find our happiness in things and then think, oh, I'll, I'll be thankful then. Actually, we can, in every, opp- every moment, find an opportunity to be thankful. I'm going to invite the worship group to come back. And um, we're going to close with a final song. And I've been challenged myself this week by just thinking about this subject. Um, and thinking about this month, because I was thinking about harvest and thinking about Thanksgiving, and sometimes I find in my life that, you know, you just go through the motions of life and, and it's easy to sort of think, oh, you know, this, that, and the other. And, and then when I was thinking about how grateful is my life, like in everything that I do, the way I speak to others, the way I treat other people, my actions, my words, you know, do they express a thanksgiving, a gratefulness? Let's stand together. Father God, I just want to thank you today because we have so much to be thankful for, so much to be grateful for. When we look at our position in you and what you've done for us, it amazes us. It amazes us that we have your grace and your mercy and we are completely forgiven and free. No condemnation. We have a freedom in you and we're so thankful for that, Lord. And we thank you that that is the foundation of our lives. Father God, we thank you that we can be here today celebrating your your name and being free to do that, that we're not bound by any laws of our land, that we don't have to be in hiding when we come to meet. But we have the privilege of just being able to be here together with no fear. And we thank you for that. Thank you for all the provisions that you've given to our lives. We look at other people's situations around the world, Lord. It makes us truly grateful, Lord, for all that you've given us and blessed us with. And God, there's things in our life that we don't like. There's things in our life that cause us pain and cause us suffering. There's loss and there's hurt and there's loneliness and there's things in our life that we don't want. And we don't have to be thankful for those things, God. Because those things are not from you. But Lord, it's within those things that there is an opportunity. It's within those circumstances. It's within those things that we desire and don't have. It's in those things, Lord, that there's an opportunity. And I pray that you'd help us to stop in the moment and just find that opportunity and be grateful and be thankful. We want to have hearts that are truly in line with your heart, God. We want to have your heartbeat. And I pray that you'd help us to do that as we reflect on our own lives and how we're living, Lord God, in the way we interact with one another and the things we do and where we are at work and whatever it is, God. I pray that you'd help us to live in the moment and to see the moment and to find the opportunity to slow ourselves down, just to stop and look. What can we say but thank you to Almighty God in heaven? Thank you, Jesus, that you welcome us into your presence.
just like you did the leper, the sinful woman, whoever it is, we're welcomed by you. We thank you for that today. And we put ourselves again at your feet because that's the place where we need to be. We bow again at your feet to give our all, to come in thankfulness and to surrender ourselves and to honour you in all that we are and all that we do. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.